Well, it's good to be here this morning and uh, good to be opening God's Word with you. We're going to be looking at a lot of different passages today, so um, if you've got your Bibles out and you want to follow along, please do. Some of them, we're going to be going into some Proverbs that'll be kind of short, uh, and so I don't know if you'll be able to keep up, but um, please feel free to try and uh, study along with us. We've been looking at passages that discuss family uh, and understanding the value of the family relationships that we have Uh, that we can help encourage and instruct one another in faith, that we can set an example for one another and show one another uh, what it's like to love God. Uh, For those of us who have family members who are lost, this is certainly something for us to consider and think about. How can we play a vital role in bringing them to God uh, as we have this close-knit relationship with them? We've talked about husbands and wives and, and the relationship that, that they have is supposed to resemble Christ in the church. For all the world to see and understand the relationship that Christ has with his church and that they might desire uh, to have the relationship with Christ as well. We've talked about fathers and the role of fathers in the home. And last week on Mother's Day we talked about mothers, how fathers and mothers together uh, have a very important role in the family. uh, That they are supposed to be working toward helping their children to understand the truth, giving them the instruction, the discipline, the love, the compassion, the, the the. patience that they need in order to grow. And so today what I wanted to do is just include the children in in our study. Um, I hadn't heard a whole lot of lessons on children, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do, Uh, especially now that I have children. I don't think I've heard a single sermon on children since I've had children because I'm pretty sure I haven't because I've been preaching pretty much since Naomi was a baby. So uh, I hadn't heard a whole lot. So I was was excited to study this and to think about this and consider it a little bit more. Whenever we think about children, it's important for us to understand uh, the value of children, understand the role of children, and and to understand our role in relating to the children. And so that's going to kind of be the flow that we go through as we study this, just like the other, other lessons, other studies that we've done. So first of all, let's talk about the importance of children and our view of children by thinking about the view that the world around us has of children. Uh, It should be concerning to us. If you hadn't really thought about it or paid much attention to it, uh, it should be concerning to us that uh, the world around us often sees children as burdensome and inconvenient. That's the way children are viewed in our society. Uh, As though having children maybe at first seemed like a really good idea and then afterward they feel like the child has cramped their style. Uh, or taken away from a lot of me time. And, and, and there's a lot of neglect and, and things like that that are happening in the world today because children are viewed as burdensome. They're viewed as an inconvenience. I mean, it's a lot of work to have children uh, and to help children along, doing all the things that they need to do and, and, and providing for them the things that they need. But the picture of how our world sees them as burdensome and inconvenient is most clearly seen in uh, what's been going on in our society with abortion. Uh, The number of abortions that have gone on and are continuing to go on in our society show you how the world views children as burdensome and inconvenient. Uh, And this idea that we can have a promiscuous life and just do whatever we want and oops, oh, there's a child, well, let's just get rid of that. 
uh, is, is kind of the culture that is around us. It's the air that we breathe. It's, it's the mentality of our, our world around us that is very consumeristic. We've been talking about that. It's about what do I get out of this inter- interchange? And if I'm not getting the most benefit, then I want out of it. I want to go find a better deal. I want to go find something that really suits me. And so whenever it comes to the life of a child, if they can stop it before it starts, uh, unfortunately people around us are doing that. And that's a sad thing. It's something for us to be aware of, that we don't take on the mentality of the world around us, that children aren't important, that they're burdensome, and that they're inconvenient. Like, we don't need to think about children that way. That's the way the world thinks about children. That's not the way we need to think about children. Another thing that I see commonly is that children are opportunities uh, to be exploited. Uh, we live in a very materialistic, very consumerist society. If you watch many uh, commercials anymore, I don't know if you do. We like didn't for about seven years, and then all of a sudden they started bringing commercials into the stream, and we were so excited to not have to mess with convert commercials. And now they're back, and they're telling our kids that they need all this stuff, and that. Uh, they need to think this way. TV shows and, and movies are constantly you know, taking advantage of the young minds that are easily influenced and trying to pull them in certain ways. And so we see that with our children. Uh, they're, they're being exploited. And, and those advertisers know how to get the money. Just go through the children. <laughs> you, you just get the child wanting it, and they're going to have that temper tantrum in the grocery store, and you're going home with... A uh, box of cereal that nobody will eat, but it had pretty colors uh, and, and a toy inside that, that will be uh, enjoyed. So, so that's the way they work. They're constantly trying to uh, exploit children, and, and they're seen more as an opportunity than something that uh, has real value. It's just a, a value that's maybe more financial. Uh, so we have to be aware of that, that that's what they're working toward. They are, they're, they're preying on children and their, uh, their immaturities, their envy, their jealousy, um, their covetousness, all of those things that are inside of them that they don't even know that they have and they don't even understand how to control, they're working on them and they're trying to use them to their advantage. And that's the way the world is working. Uh, as we think about uh, ourselves as as Maybe all the parents here, we love our children, we value our children, uh, but there's a lot of pull for us to focus on things for our children that aren't that important. I'm noticing that as my kids are now in public school. We did homeschool for a while as COVID and all that happened. Now they're in public school. There is a pull to really focus on the academics. I mean, there's lots of homework, right? Just spending the time doing the homework. Make sure they make the good grades. Make sure they're ready for college. And, and just uh, academic achievements are so important. Uh, athletic achievements also. Uh, you know, we got them in soccer. And, oh, you want little Johnny to be the best soccer player, then you need to get him in clubs. And you need to send him to all these camps. And you need to devote yourselves to traveling all over the place. And and so the world kind of twists and distorts our view of children and what's good for them uh, by, by encouraging us to just fill them with what's fun. And, and that takes up all our time so that we don't really focus on what matters. That's what the world around us is doing to us. And we have to recognize that. And we have to be willing to say no to the things that don't matter. And we have to learn how to incorporate the spiritual things that do matter instead. 
And that's not an easy thing for us to recognize sometimes. And so I'm, I'm happy to, to think about this as I'm studying it. Like, this is really going on in, in our society. And, and I'm falling prey to some of this. And I need to be careful as well. But God's view is so much better. God's view of children is a, a, a great view. A view of, of excitement and love. Uh, at the very beginning, he told Adam and Eve and, and Noah, he said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Have children. Children are good. Children are uh, uh, something that's wonderful on the earth uh, to have and to see. And why is it that they're so wonderful? Well, we read in the scripture reading Psalm 127. Uh, I, love, I love how Psalm 127 describes children. Of course, first of all, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Uh, and that's a picture of putting God first in your family. But then he says, uh, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Children are a blessing. They're, they're a gift from God that's been given to us. And that's the way God wants us to look at them, as not as an inconvenience or a burden, but as a blessing. Sometimes they don't feel like a blessing. <laughs> Sometimes they get on our last nerves. Sometimes they don't learn things that they're supposed to learn or do things that they're supposed to do. And they, they're persistently uh, you know, pursuing things that are wrong. And we have to help them. And it's a lot of work. But they're a blessing. They're a blessing from God. And listen to how he words this blessing. He says, verse 4, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. He says that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. What does that mean? Why is he, why is he calling children arrows? I mean, you don't think about children as arrows. Why is he calling children arrows? Well, arrows uh, indicate or show us that there's potential for success in the battle of life, right? That you're fighting against the enemy, you want some arrows. You don't have any arrows, you're, you're, you're going to have to go and fight kind of hands-on. With arrows, you know, you got the distance and it helps you. But consider this, if children are arrows, that means we put in the work to bend the bow, we aim the arrow where it needs to go, and we send it away to do its job. And that's the picture that he gives us for children, that we're doing all this kind of work and all this guiding and all this directing, and then we're sending them out to make an impact in the battle against the enemy. And that's the way that God wants us to view children, that they are going to be used for God's glory, that they are going to be used in the battle, in the kingdom, to accomplish the will of God and to create success. And so if that's the way that we view our children, that they're a blessing because they are like arrows that are given to us to accomplish this wonderful success in battle, then, then that's encouraging us to have more of them, that that's okay to have more children uh, and, to, and to work to guide them if you're willing to because the impact is enormous. You've known maybe people who've had lots of children. Uh, in some cases, uh, I've, known, I've known somebody who has about nine children. And of the nine, all of those who are of the age of accountability almost are, are faithful. 
Uh, many of them are preachers that have gone out. And this family has just simply devoted their lives to tending to the arrows and to sending them out in the direction that they're supposed to go. Now, it's just this wonderful example I constantly think of whenever I read this text. Like, that's what they were doing. That's what they've made their life about. Uh, I can't even imagine nine kids in my house. But, but that, that was their life, their life's work. We also see as we look throughout scriptures that children are a joy for parents. They're not burdensome. They're not inconvenient. They're a joy. When they're raised right, when they're raised with proper direction and with proper guidance, they give us great joy. Uh, Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. He says in Proverbs 17, 6, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. Kind of pointing to what Keith said. Grandchildren are the crown of those who are aged. This is this wonderful thing that is to be enjoyed in life. Uh, Chapter 29, verse 17 of Proverbs says, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. See, God's view of children is that they're the source of joy and, and enjoyment of life. They provide you with hope of, of future joy and enjoyment. And as they're brought up in a way that is, is good, that they, they treat you right, they take care of you, they give you rest, they give you joy. And if they're willing to be righteous and submit to God, that, that there's even greater blessings in, in having children. And this is what God has in store for parents. This is what he wants them to enjoy. This is what he desires for them. That they would have children who are righteous and who bring them joy throughout their life. They're not supposed to be seen as something that we can't stand to be around or to deal with, but as a pleasure to work in the early years and, to, and then to, to have fruit in the later years. God's view of children is, is most clearly seen, though, in Jesus. When Jesus comes onto the earth, uh, we have a few little sections that children are being talked about. And it's fascinating. Why are, we, why are you bringing up the children? Why are you bringing up these little instances? Because they're important. The right view of children is important. Uh, the disciples are upset because children are pestering Jesus. You know, they're, they're bothering him. They're burdensome. And you kind of get the sense the culture of that day was similar to our own. But Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. For to such belong the kingdom of God. He saw them as arrows. He saw and understood that working with them, spending time with them, encouraging them. And these weren't even his own children. For those of you who don't have children and are like, well, this isn't really a lesson for me. I don't have children. Jesus didn't encourage and help the children that were his. He was helping all the children. He was viewing children in that way, that they're valuable, that they're worthy of our time. They're not a distraction from what's more important. You know, it's not Jesus was sitting there saying, I really need to be talking to all the adults who can, who can do stuff. I don't need to be talking to you children who can't really help me in some way. See how that's consumeristic. It was not consumeristic. It was, these children are important. They're valuable. They have a role to play in the kingdom. And their future is bright. If they just would get guided into the right direction, then they can provide success in glorifying God. And I think that's an important idea for us to have before we move forward. That children are 
valuable. They're precious. They're good to have. Uh, and, and, and something that we need to see as a source of enjoyment and not something that we see as burdensome in any way. But as we think about raising children uh, and we think about the role that they have, uh, yeah, they're valuable, but why are they valuable? What do they give us, you know? Uh, and what are they supposed to be doing in the family? Uh, we talked about father's roles. We talked about mother's roles. Well, what, what role do children have? Don't they just have the role to be children? Like, do you ever stop to think about the role of a child in the home? Well, first and foremost, they have one command, right? Uh, you children can learn one command. I ask my children this all the time. What's your command? And they say, Obey your mother and father. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I ask them, what's the most important thing? To have a good heart. You know? It's not a good heart if you're saying it like that. Let's have a good heart about this. Uh, but obey your mother and father. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, this is the command given. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. In other words, the, the obey is, is joined with this idea of respect. You know, it's not just an honoring begrudgingly, but it's a respectful, honoring thing. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The role of children is to listen to and to obey their parents. That's their role in the family. And if they're not fulfilling their role, then that means mother and father are not guiding them to fulfill their role. If, if little Johnny or, or Julie, I don't think we have a Julie here, if they, if they think I get to tell people what to do because mommy and daddy tell people what to do and I get to tell mommy and daddy what to do because they don't stop me, then there's a problem. If they think they can be the boss, if they think they can run the house, if they think they can always get their way, that mother and father obey them and honor them and their wishes, there's a problem here. The roles are not as they should be. And something needs to happen to help the child to fulfill the role of obeying. The child is not in a state where they have the understanding to lead. They are in the state where they need to be led. They need to follow. And they need parents to be strong leaders that allow them to fulfill their role. Just like a husband and wife, they have different roles and, and they're feeding off of each role. You know, the, the husband is supposed to be a servant to the wife and the wife is supposed to submit to the, the leadership of the, the husband. They're working together and, and they're accomplishing the mission of glorifying God. So children have a role and they need to fulfill the role. And parents need to help them fulfill that role by taking the authority position in the home and leading them in the way that they should go. But children, your role, your one job is to obey and honor mom and dad. And he says, this is the first command with promise. That means God promises you something if you'll keep this command. God promises that your life will be better for it. Mom and dad do not have... Uh, some kind of evil intentions or motives. What they want is what's best for you. And they don't know everything and they make mistakes, sure, but if you'll listen to them, your life will be a whole lot better than if you continually rebel and disobey them. 
It just, it's going to be a million times better if you just listen to them. They don't want you to have a failed life. And all those other kids, I tell my, my children this all the time, you know, uh, all those other kids that don't have mommy and daddies that tell them to obey them, they're going to grow up and they're going to disobey the, the laws. And guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to get to have a lot of suffering in their life. So the command to obey your mommy and daddy is a command that, that gives you a hope for the future. Uh, that's what mom and dad are trying to give you. Help it. Help them. Make it easier for them if you're old enough to understand me right now. And parents, learn to lead and help them fulfill their role. What should we expect from them? You know, obedience, yes. Um, they're children, though. Uh, so they don't have obedience down yet, right? Uh, children are really here to learn. They're here to grow. They're here to participate and be a part of it, but they're, they're children. They're not going to understand everything right off the bat, you know, right off, right off the bat. They're not going to get it. Um, you know, it took me a while. I, I kind of I was pretty hard on Naomi, like, you know, expecting her to do things she wasn't ready for. Pretty hard. On, I relaxed a little bit on Joe, but then came really hard. And then Phoebe, I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, she'll get it, you know. But, but there's this, you know, understanding that, it takes time for them to learn and to grasp the concepts that we all understand. They don't get it immediately. I've been coaching basketball uh, in the spring. It was so hard. It was miserable. I played basketball for like 12 years. And trying to teach little girls who never played basketball before in their life was so, so hard. But I've been coaching soccer and I didn't know a thing about soccer. And I came into soccer uh, on the same level as the kids. I could relate to them. I was like, okay, you don't know soccer. I don't know soccer either. Here's some cool things I learned. And, and I was able to see their progression and see they don't know these things because I didn't know these things. And we have to, we have to understand parenting is more like the basketball situation than the soccer situation. In parenting, yeah, we know we've been there. We've done that. And it gets real frustrating because... Why don't you already know all these things? But they can't. Uh, they're not there yet. You have to have expectations. You do expect them to grow. You do expect them to progress. But you have to have patience as they move up and as they uh, become what they're supposed to be. And you need to give them opportunities to participate as imperfectly as they will participate. Uh, Keith, thank you for the example like, right there before the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper like, what he was doing with Addie Sue, just letting them have a part to play is important. Letting them understand that they're a valued member of the family, that they do have a role beyond obeying and learning, that they also can be an active part. As they learn they, and they grow, they can do and start expecting them to do things. Uh, and, and do more, and especially to do more spiritually. I love that. It's a picture that they are a part of uh, the church family. You know, they, they hadn't yet come to the full understanding of all those things, but they can participate, they can help out, and we ought to encourage that. But what's most fascinating to me about a child and, and their role that I, I would have never known, you know, 10 years ago before having kids that I've really come to understand is the children have a role of teaching us. Now, I don't mean that like 
they, they tell us all these things that we never knew before. Like, oh, wow, you've got great wisdom, child. No, but they teach us things. As we see the things that are wrong with our children, we see the things that are wrong with us if our eyes are open to it. My children have taught me more about myself than just about anybody else uh, that I know. And as I see them making mistakes, my own flaws come right in front of me, and I realize I do those same kinds of things on a different level, in a different way, but I'm, I'm just as guilty. Uh, and so children have a wonderful value in that they are able to help us see and understand that we're not there yet either, and that we still need to grow spiritually. They help us to remain humble. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, how we can help our children to grow and to be what they're supposed to be. Like I said, there are arrows that we're shooting uh, and we're trying to uh, guide them in the way that they're supposed to go. So how can we do that? Well, first of all, the, the Bible is very clear about children that um, there's an age of innocence um, where there's not accountability toward them because they don't yet understand to refuse the evil and choose the good. In Isaiah 7, it's actually a prophecy about Christ saying before uh, this, this child grows to the point of being able to uh, understand, to refuse the evil and choose the good, this is going to happen as part of a prophecy. Uh, but it's just kind of pointing out the fact that there are children and they don't understand the difference between good and evil. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden before the eating of the knowledge of, of, the, of good and evil, they don't understand the difference between good and evil. And they need us to exemplify what is good and to help them understand what is evil. They need godly examples in their life. And they need instruction about the mistakes that they're making and about the mistakes mom and dad are making and about the mistakes their friends are making and about the mistakes their neighbors are making. They need instruction about that. They need understanding about that. Uh, they don't have it programmed into them. And we understand it a lot better. We, we just know those things inherently. They don't understand those things. And children also, of course, need discipline. They need to understand that if they're going to choose what is evil, that there's going to be a consequence for that. Because that's the way it works. That's the way life is. Uh, basically, it's all just decision loops. And I'm seeing that in, in Phoebe. Uh, as she makes a decision and she's rewarded for it, she wants to do that again. And if she makes a decision and it's a bad decision and there's a consequence, then... All right, well, we're just not going to mess with that anymore. You know, we're, just, we're done. She seems to really grasp those concepts. Some kids don't get that, right? They did it, and they got the negative consequence, and then they're like, but did you really mean that I can't do that? And so they'll try it again, or they'll do it a different way, and they keep going, and they keep going, and they need discipline. They need consistency in discipline. They need their mom and their dad to to give them punishments for defiant rebellion uh, whenever that is the case. Proverbs are full of this uh, encouragement for us. And, and as we read through this, it, it sounds like you're supposed to abuse your children. Uh, and I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's really just encouraging us to do the thing that's really hard. I don't like disciplining with 
a rod or spanking my child. Uh, we, you know, as parents, we probably hate it, but he's emphasizing it because it is important. Proverbs thirteen twenty four: Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him dis- diligent, he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You want your child to have success in life. You want them to not suffer a lot in their adulthood. You have to love them enough to allow them to experience pain at an earlier age. We, start, we started that at six months with Phoebe. Should have started it sooner probably with the others. Uh, but it's, it's a process that will just continually happen, and they will endure some kind of discipline until the day that we set them free. And Maybe it won't be a spanking. Maybe it will be something else. Uh, that, that hurts them worse than the spanking. Uh, but but the, the points need to be made, and discipline helps. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. They don't know what's right. They're foolish. They just are. Don't treat them like they're adults and they understand things. They don't. And sometimes, you know, trying to explain to the child what they've done wrong and all of that is fruitless. Just give them the discipline, and they ask why, and you say, because you didn't do what was right. I can't, can't walk through this with you. You're not there yet. Just don't do that again. Uh, and that's important. They need to have the foolishness driven away from them. Uh, explanation and instruction is important too, of course. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You want wise children, you want children to grow up to be wise adults, help them out by correcting them and giving them what they need. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do, but they need it. Uh, I tell my children, I love you enough to do this. And I'm going to do this because I love you. I don't do this because I dislike you. I don't do this because I'm angry with you. If I'm angry, I'm probably not going to do this. I'm going to walk away. But I have to do this for your good. Because I love you, uh, I will do this. Children, kind of along with that, to kind of balance all of that, children need grace. They need patience. They need kindness. They need love. Yes, they need the discipline. It's going to help the, the bad things sink in. They're bad. But they also need to see what is right and good. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I hadn't really thought very deeply about this text until doing this lesson. And I'm so glad I did. What is that telling us to do? You know, there's a kind of a negative sense in looking at that kind of a shameful thing if those of you who have children who you trained up in the way they should go and they've chosen to go a different way um, and that's that's where we kind of point to the fact that these are general statements um, but what is he telling them to do as, as parents train them up in the way that they should go what kind of a child do you want to to have what, what kind of an adult do you want to raise do you not want to raise a child that is good and kind and patient and and gracious and and loving do you not want to see in them the fruit of the spirit well are you training them in the fruit of the spirit oftentimes i'd look at this and i'd be like train up a child the way should go man i gotta just i gotta not spare the rod you know that's the way i always thought about training 
that's wrong. <laughs> There's more to training than the discipline aspect. There's the positive examples too. We should exemplify godliness. We should exemplify Jesus in our lives. And that will show them and train them up in the way that they should go. We should show them as an example how they ought to be when they grow up and they get older so that they will desire to become that. And that's a very important idea. I, I thought it was really important as I, as I was studying this. Children need to be seen as not there yet, and we need to spend the time that's necessary to get them there, showing patience to their mistakes and their flaws, correcting the defiant rebellion, but trying to help them along to become what God really wants them to be. And I think it's really important in this that we focus on the heart and not just the external obedience. Uh, it's a very easy thing to make my kids do whatever I want to make them do. It's a hard thing to make them want to do the things that they're supposed to do. But that is where the value can be found. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. We're, we're trying to shepherd and guide the child's heart in the right direction. And that's our goal in working with children. Uh, and finally, children need faith. I know this is kind of a weird thing. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, having younger children, like, what do you need to teach them? Like, how do you need to help them? They're not quite believers, but they are believers. Like, they've not yet submitted fully, but they're like, how do you do this? Well, notice Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. It's kind of this picture of, uh, you know, you, you just rely on him, and he's going to work with you to provide the path that you're going to go down. And so children need to see that in us, that we're trusting in God, not in ourselves and our own abilities. And children need to be encouraged to do the same thing, to trust in God. Do you trust in God? Or do you trust in yourself? Do you have a self-reliant kind of an attitude? You don't really even talk about relying on God much at all, about anything that you do. You don't really encourage the child to rely on God whenever they're scared or, or you know, worried about something. You know, we need to make sure that they understand God is with them. God is helping them and that he wants to do them good. And I, I've tried really hard to help my children understand there's a difference between magic and God. All their TV shows, all their movies tell them magic, magic, believe in magic. And I tell them, yeah, okay, the magic stuff, fine, you can watch all that, that's no big deal. But understand, God's not magic. God's not magic. Magic is not real. God's real. And I let them connect all the dots of what all that means, and I'm not trying to, you know messing anybody here, but God's not magic. The things he does are supernatural. They're beyond our understanding. And Jesus was able to accomplish miracles that, that in the world's eyes are magic, but it's not magic, it's real. And he's able to do that. Uh, and we need to encourage them to trust in God and not trust in the things that are very worldly. 
I appreciate your patience in listening to me. I know that I've, I've had a lot of verses thrown in there, and this is, this is probably the most topical sermon I've ever preached. And it seems like I'm, I'm telling you a lot of my own thoughts and ideas, and I'm, I, I hope that you see the scripture behind it as we study this together. Um, but this is, this is uh, the way that I think we ought to be viewing our children. They're valuable. Uh, they are important. And we need to focus in on helping them and guiding them in the path that they're supposed to go. Whether they're your children or someone else's children, they're the future of the kingdom. And we have a, a, a valuable role and responsibility. Now, I'll say this as well. We're all children who have been raised up and we've been shot in a certain direction. And maybe the, the raising wasn't so good for some of us. Maybe it was great for others. But we get to choose after we've been shot. We have some... Uh, some effect on the directions that we're going to go. And we need to make sure that we're making the right directions, the right choices. Uh, we need to be sure that we're still respecting and honoring our mother and father, that we're treating them as we should, as Jesus pointed out to the, to the Pharisees, that they're not taking care of their parents. That's, that's certainly a responsibility that we have as children, even into older age. So as children who are maybe younger, understand this. It doesn't end whenever you get out of the home. God still expects you to revere your parents. And this is the wisdom that, that Solomon has for you. So I'll end this for you, children, with one more verse. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. That means if you'll listen to your, your, your parents, then it'll be like every time you're listening to them, you're being clothed in something that's fabulous, that's beautiful, that's, that's glorious. And everybody's going to look at you and, and be amazed at you. And you're going, to be, you're going to rise in reputation because you listened to your parents. It's for your good. And so that's what I want to close with. Uh, if there's anybody here who has not become a child of God, uh, that is the most important thing that we can do. As his children, he is patient with us. He's gracious toward us. He, he provides for us. And he disciplines us. And tries to help us to go in the direction that we should go. Uh, and if you're here to, today and you're not a child of God, you don't, you don't understand the amount of spiritual blessings that you're missing out on. Only the children of God get to inherit the eternal blessings. And if you've not yet submitted your life to Him and received the adoption of sons and daughters, then you're missing out. And if we can help you in some way, will you please let us help you? Please come as we stand and as we sing.